Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series. Uncovering God in the creative arts. At the biggest international arts festival in the world, Sanctuary First stops to ask, where does faith and art meet? Welcome to Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series. I'm Albert Bogle and I'm joined today by my colleague Pete Sutton. And we have a special guest with us today, um, Colin Peckham, who is the director of Origin and also the, the artistic director of Origin and also the ministry's leader. And I'm interested in this whole theme because Origin are a Christian organisation who are connecting with the arts in the Edinburgh area and in fact in other parts of the world. But I'm going to invite you, Colin, to maybe just begin to open up a little bit about Origin and tell us a bit about it so as we can we can engage more of this, the, in this podcast. Well, uh, thank you, Albert. Yes, it's a privilege to be here with you both today. Origin Scotland was founded back in 1997. In fact, we're 25 years old today. Not today, this year. <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, got started because we wanted to produce music and artistic events that would be of value in uniting the church and reaching out to the world around. Um, I was I was struck by something I heard once that uh, there was a revival in Scotland once and my mother was involved. Um, she became a Christian during it. And she said that the revival came to a, a halt when the churches started arguing with each other. And I thought, well, you know, if we can get the churches united and focused on God directly and not on each other, then perhaps we can reach the world more effectively. And that was that was the thought behind the founding of, of the ministry. Um, and it evolved a lot away from there now. So now it's primarily a ministry that's involved in Christian worship, in uniting churches and in outreach programs uh, all around central Scotland. Um, we've been as far afield as Kirkwall and Belfast, and we have a ministry a, a little bit further away in Cape Town, South Africa as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, we, we draw people together from different churches and, and, and unite the churches in that way, but also at a congregational level. It's wonderful to think of music as being a uniting force. Yes, isn't it? Because so often it's seen as a dividing force, um, and yet it doesn't need to be. Um, there is a way in which you can introduce me. We've got one outreach program that we, we do um, called Prodigal, and we use music, secular music. So from start to end, we tell the story of the prodigal son using only secular music. And one of the songs is by ACDC. And it's fairly loud, and it's it's fairly noisy, and it's fairly excitable. And I thought we'd have people walking out. I really did. I, I thought, surely, if, if we sing this, um, people are going to walk out. And you know, they don't. Um, because right next to it, we put another song, which is extremely accessible and extremely uh, beautiful and, and, and got lovely melodies, you know. And so you find that they, and this is not a theological argument, mm. um, uh, <laughs> but they sanctify each other, these songs, as you mm. place them uh, end on end. And I think we can do that in churches. And that's what we're trying to teach through Origin, through, uh, simply through living it, simply through practicing it, um, trying to teach the, the churches generally how we can actually use a force um, to unite people and to focus them uh, on God as a, a sort of a, um, a way of looking upward rather than inward. 
Do you know, it reminds me of that text in the scripture, I think it's Romans, where it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And part of, I think, the call of the church is to be in the world and to live in this beautiful world that God has created for us and for us to be able to make these transitions that, that people can see the glory of God yeah. in, in, in creation itself and also in the, in the creation of those who are still... A, seekers after God mm-hmm. you know but in in their art they can discover something and we can point out and maybe help as you place them together for mm. people to see wow oh there is a bridge there that works it's a yeah. lovely it's a lovely thought that yes and, and music has this ability to transcend what we are what our, our lived reality um, and so it, it's able to provide this transcendence which everyone is seeking um, and struggles to find sometimes and as you as um, but 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 beauty matters, and um, I think when you when you are uh, surrounded by as music of course does something very beautiful, and something very wonderful, it raises you out of yourself and forces you to look outward onto something, something greater than you can achieve, something greater than you are, um, mm. and I think that's something we can do with music, and. I, I, you know, we, we've got a, a concert next next month in in St Giles Cathedral, and it's called Symphonic Praise, and 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 it takes some of the greatest music that that has ever been in the church, some of the greatest hymns, and we put them and perform them and sing them congregationally as well in a building, every stone of which was built to the glory of God, and I think it's so, such a wonderful thing, especially as you go from a lot of. Contemporary churches are in warehouses and things like that, and um, and that's fine, and that's it's wonderful that that the church is expanding in that way that we need to do that, but it is also wonderful to have something beautiful that that uh, reminds us of the glory of God, of the majesty of God, of the transcendence of God. Um, Karl Barth called him the totally other, um, and uh, I like that. <laughs> well, what I love is not look seeking clashes. Because you obviously mentioned ACDC there, but you're really sort of trying to find a synergy between to bring it together without it being forced together. But so do you see sort of like a sense of flowing from one, you know, extreme, you could say, because I guess if you were to put ACDC into St. Giles Cathedral, (laughs) you might have a few clashes en route. But so how would you go about just making it? come together rather than it appearing to clash. Well, I just want to say that we, we do do Isaac Watts rather more than we do ACDC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think it's it's all to do with telling the story. Um, Jesus was so good at this. I mean, he, he told stories. That's how he that's how, that's how he related to the people around him. Um, and I think our job in the in the church and especially in the church worship service is to tell a story. Um, and so we're very careful about how we put a service of worship together. Um, now that ACDC song wouldn't go in there. Um, that's for a very specific function in a very specific moment. Um, but if you're trying to tell a story, you want people to begin on page one of the story. On the, but we want them on the same page as you. Um, and I, I often say to people who are putting together a service of worship, um, you have no idea where all the people who have just walked in the door have come from. They've maybe fought with their kids in the car on the way in. You know, they've maybe had a rough work, week, week at work. Or maybe they've just had an absolutely fantastic, glorious experience and worshipping God since 4 o'clock that morning reading their Bibles. You know, fine, we don't, we don't know. 
Um, God knows, but we don't know. And, and the responsibility of the music director in the church then is to somehow bring everyone onto the same page at the very start of the service. And so what you choose, what music you choose, and what songs you choose um, has a massive impact that when the um, minister gets up to preach, um, everyone's there, right there with him. And that's the, the, one of the great jobs of the musician uh, and the church music director is to, is to bring all that together, um, focus, the, focus the congregation uh, onto God, um, because that's who we're there to worship. Um, I think yeah. it's wonderful because, you know, preaching as I do every Sunday, I often find that the music that's been chosen by the director of music, mm. as we sing it in advance of the sermon, I can really use some of the words yes. Yes. that I hadn't really encountered until I just sang it with the congregation. And they just sort of can yeah. be taken right into, you know, the preaching as well. And yeah. it just happens. And that's nothing that's prearranged. Mm. But what it does show is that a huge amount of thought has gone in. Mm. And it's such a gift from the director of music. If I'm if I'm looking carefully, I can see all the gifts mm. that he's placed before me. Mm. And I guess his wish is, please use this. And it's just so nice when you can just draw something like that without it being, a, like you say, without it being a big theological thing. But it, mm. it's now owned by everyone yeah. because everyone's just sung it together. And then yeah. I have the privilege of you know, reflecting upon some of the words yes. from the pulpit. And, and, and our, I mean, our, our, um, the book on which we, we base uh, the way in which we worship, of course, is the Psalms. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that that's all we sing. I'm just saying that uh, if we look through them, we see that they, they go through lots of different types of worship song. So you've got everything from the very personal and, and, and subjective and introspective type psalm all the way to the ones that simply list the glories of God and the majesty of God and the acts of God and the works of God. And I think that... Uh, Actually, if, if there's one little bugbear I have today is that we don't have en enough songs that have that objective reality as part of them. Um, so that when you, when you are singing in church, especially at the beginning of a service, if you're singing something uh, like, Oh, worship the King all glorious above, oh, gratefully sing his power and his love, um, uh, our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and glory. And, uh, what is it? Girded, Girded with praise, praise yes. Um, which also has that wonderful line, his chariots of wrath, the deep thunderclouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. It's like lifted out of the Old Testament, mm -hmm. isn't it? Um, but I'm not suggesting it has to be an old song. There are plenty of modern wor con contemporary worship songs which are just fabulous and just wonderful. Um, but that objective nature of the song, you don't have to feel anything particularly in yourself relationally when you're singing that for it is simply true. And you are drawn to the truth of this, and you, there, there is an objective reality of truth about it, and the subjective nature then is drawn to it. And it, that, that's what draws you onto the same page. You know, if you, if you start the, the service with my Jesus, my Savior, you've lost half the congregation already before they started, because they maybe don't feel that way when they come in. So the, the, the object is to, to draw them together. I've got yeah. onto a hobby horse there, I'm sorry about that. No, no <laughs> I'm quite interested in, the, the place of the musician in worship today. And I, I, I wonder if one of the reasons why our churches, many of um, the attendance gets lower and lower is because of the quality of music and worship that is offered. And should we be, should that be something that concerns us? I, I, I'm being controversial here in this one, mm. but I, 
I, I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Well, I, I'm not so sure that it's the quality of the musicians that's the issue. After all, I mean, if my, 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 mother, my mother was from Lewis. Um, there weren't very many musicians in the churches in Lewis in the 50s and 40s. Um, they, oh, well, I mean, there were many musicians, but they didn't use them in the services. Mm -hmm. they, they, they sang completely unaccompanied. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's that. I think possibly there is a, an issue around uh, what we choose to use for worship in the churches, and I think that's a bigger thing. And I think this issue of transcendence is something that is absolutely key to that. Um, I think a lot of, and you, this is not just a, a comment on sacred music, this is true in secular music too. Uh, you have music at a level which looks at the world around you or looks at uh, into, in, inside it yourself. A lot of it is focused on the individual. Um, uh, but I don't really care about that particularly. Um, I, I, when I come together with others to worship, um, I don't want to sing about me. I want to sing about him. And if I want to sing about God and what he's done and who he is and the, his nature, um, because, because the, and the other thing about that, of course, is that music uh, serves these multi-layered purposes in the church. Um, uh, yes, it's, it's used to, to draw together and to focus on God. And yes, it has a powerful impact. Just ask um, King David and, and Saul. Um, but it, it also, it's a teaching aid. And this is the scary thing for preachers because the average person in the congregation, I will almost say almost every person in the congregation, will remember the words of the song they've sung long after they've forgotten what the preacher said. Mm -hmm. um, partly because it's reinforced through recordings and through all this sort of stuff, but also because they sing the same songs over and over again, um, or at least they should. Um, and, and, and so it was it Martin Luther who said, I would, I would have every preacher trained in, in music. Um, I would reverse it. I would have every musician trained in theology. Um, because it is so important um, that the things that we learn through the songs have the depth and the basis and the foundations of the faith and not just the bit we feel up here. Mm -hmm. It needs to be the broad stuff at the bottom on which we build it. Otherwise, you don't have a foundation and this will collapse eventually. And I think the whole point on you're not going to get transcendence without foundation right. because I think transcendence needs to be rooted or else people, I think, are a bit wary of it. But yeah. if it can be rooted, and we don't have that, sadly, I would say that the Church of Scotland is becoming a sacramental free zone. You know, if you don't do communion very often, there are few and far baptisms taking place, and those are our two, two main sacraments. But rather beautifully, last Sunday, we did have a baptism, mm. and the, the moment of transcendence, I think, is when I get to carry the newly baptized infant in amongst a congregation, and they don't say the ironic blessing, mm. they sing it as I okay. walk past, yeah. and they might not be that good at singing it, but that doesn't matter. Mm. Collectively, they're drawing on one of the oldest prayers in the scriptures, mm. and they're just drawing on something which has a foundation, and I think it does make it a trans, you know, transcending moment. It's mm. just so, so very beautiful. Yes, well, my, my, my mother was from the Church of Scotland and my father was a Baptist minister, so I consider myself well-balanced in the area of, of, <laughs> of <laughs> baptism. But, yeah. but, um, but yes, I, I, I agree. And, and the, 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 I, think, I think one of the things that music does so beautifully, or it can do so beautifully if used correctly, mm. um, 
is to point us to a God who is bigger than our circumstances, who is bigger than the situations we find ourselves in, um, and bigger than the problems that we face. Because if we don't have that, then the problems that we face become insurmountable. They become an issue and um, they, they, they become debilitating and they drive us down. Uh, but if we understand that God is bigger than all of that, and, and you can say that from the pulpit as much as you like, but we need to say it from the hymn book too. Thinking of all these things, it's been interesting having this theological discussion about theology and music. I want to change the tack a wee bit into the fact that you've got the metro band over at the fringe at the moment I do. and i believe this is a famous uh, a well-known famous band and it'd be great to hear a little bit about them can you tell us a yeah. little about their music and also at some point obviously people might want to go and hear them yes well uh, origin ministries has it, we're a broad um musical church if you like we, we're, we're a collective of musicians so we do everything from the symphony orchestra all the way through to the rock band, um, our own foot stomping gospel band uh, did events in the festival. We do these every year. We're very fortunate that a, a church up on the Royal Mile, uh, Carabas Christian Centre, which is so beautifully positioned uh, between John Knox House and, and uh, the cathedral, um, that we have thousands of people walking past the door uh, all the time. And all we have to do is open the doors and play some music and people just walk in. Um, and so they allow us to use the premises for a couple of weeks in the festival every year. And this year we have two bands, the Foot Stomping one, which is now finished, um, and the Metro Big Band from the States. Now this is a big band jazz band in the style of the 20s, 30s, 40s uh, American band. And it was founded, I believe, by uh, Camp Kirkland. Um, Camp is a bit of a legend in American church music. He is in fact really the father of the American church orchestra. Um, he more or less, he started the instrumental program at uh, First Baptist Jacksonville in Florida when he was there back in the 1970s. I believe I was one year old when he started it. <laughs> um, and uh, it has then gone from then. He has over a thousand publications in him. I, I first met him in St. Giles Cathedral. Uh, we were doing symphonic praise and we were rehearsing the choir down in Corrobras. And uh, someone had gave us a flyer for this event called Symphonic Praise. And we thought, well, we're doing a symphonic praise next week, and this is not our flyer. <laughs> Who are these usurpers? <laughs> <laughs> and it was an orchestra from, the America, from America. And so after the rehearsal had finished, the choir rehearsal, I said, let's go up and sneak in the back and see, see who these people are. So we went up and we snuck in the back and I saw the trombone player and I thought, one of the trombone players, and I thought, I recognize that face. I've seen that face on the back of so many music arrangements that we've done as a group. Um, and I went up to him afterwards and I said, are you Camp Kirkland? And he said, I am. <laughs> and, so, and we became friends. And uh, I, my, my wife and I, we, our ministry is actually based in Nashville. We, we work um, for Artists and Christian Testimony, which is an arts organization for, for Christian artists, a missionary society for Christian artists. Um, and so we go, I go to Nashville every year for a conference, and that's where camp is, and that's where his uh, organization is, is based. And so he uh, goes eight times a year with the Metro Big Band and with the Celebration Orchestra and Choir, and they, go do, they provide opportunities for American professional-level Christian musicians to use their art as in, in, in outreach and evangelism. So they do a lot in South America, in Europe. Um, they've been around the world. They're coming to Cape Town, South Africa in March, actually, to work with us there um, as well in an outreach there. We're taking them into prisons. In fact, today, as, as we record this, he is uh, an, a concert in Schott's prison. Um, and they have another one there this afternoon. And then tonight they will um, 
they will be, and, and the next few nights, up until Friday night, they will be at Karabras Christian Center. They mix both a secular and sacred big band jazz. Um, and it's, it's quite something. Can I, uh, it's fa absolutely oh. fascinating. And um, obviously at Shots Prison, you've got a captive audience. Yes. But I'm just wondering <laughs> how much the setting determines the response of the music. So yeah. we've talked, mentioned St. Giles Cathedral. We've just mentioned a prison there. Do you find that the setting influences how you present the music? It does. It does. It, it not only influences that, it, it influences how people receive it. Um, so this is why Origin Ministries has a, has, a, has a policy as much as possible when we're doing our own events of using secular venues. So, for example, we use the Usher Hall several times a year. We were there at Easter. We'll be there again at the beginning of December. Um, up to two to three times a year, we've been in the uh, Festival Theatre. We've been in the um, Playhouse um, and the Royal Concert Hall in Glasgow. Um, we, we take it out into the world because nowhere does Jesus say, uh, does command the world to come into the church. He commands the church to go to the world, and that's our responsibility. Um, and I know church and world isn't about buildings. I understand that. But uh, it, the perception, nonetheless, from the world is that it is. So, so let's run with that and <laughs> just go, to go out to the world and, and, and share the gospel. Um, so what we do at Carabras during the festival is the whole inside of the church is transformed. We take out all the chairs. We put circular tables in. It's set up. Don't tell any Christians I said this, but it is set up like a Las Vegas showroom. So you've got all the all the round tables and the chairs around all the tables and little candles on the tables and so on. And then the lighting is, uh, well, we, we, we turn off all the lights and we put on these big colorful things all around the hall. It looks absolutely nothing like a church except for the giant rose window with a cross on it, which you can see from the street. And that draws people in too, because you're walking up the Royal Mile and you see this door open and with a pharmacy on one side and a travel agent on the other or whatever it is, and you look in between them and there's this huge stained glass window at the other end. It, it just, people stop and go, I never knew that was there, even if they lived in Edinburgh for 50 years. Um, and so uh, the way in which people respond depends very much on the setting. If they come in and they think, oh, it's church, um, that may be fine, that may be right where they're at. But people are at different stages on this journey. Um, and some people are at the stage where they're almost ready to say, I want to follow Christ. And that's wonderful. And in, in which case, it doesn't matter what the place looks like. Um, on the other hand, it could be someone who never, would never darken the door of a church. Um, and then they're more likely to be drawn in if it doesn't look like one. Um, or if it looks like the Usher Hall. Or if it looks like the Festival Theatre. Sounds amazing what the Metro Man do. But perhaps we should just take a moment now and listen to some of their music. Until then, hallelujah, gonna dance, gonna fly. 
do you have stories, any stories to tell about maybe how someone came to some of the concerts and found Christ or was on a journey that helped them to go further in their faith journey? Yes, I, I mean, um, we have had stories like that. Uh, our, our model of ministry is actually to facilitate the local church efforts in church unity and evangelism. So what we try and do is speak to Christians and say, bring your friends, and then you talk to them, because that's, you've got a personal connection. It's friendship evangelism. Yeah. Um, and it's all, we are, all we are is the facilitator. We're just there to provide you the opportunity. Um, and I remember one church uh, minister um, uh, looking with great suspicion, saying, how do I know you're not just trying to form a church and take away our congregation? Um, and I said, well, I've, I've got no way to prove that to you, other than the fact that now it's been 25 years <laughs> and we haven't done that. Um, and we're showing no signs of doing that. So, uh, but in a direct answer to your question, yes. Um, uh, this morning, uh, last night, as I was leaving the venue, uh, one of the band members handed me a little feedback form, which had been left on a table. All the tables have a little bit of literature on them. We have um, copies of John's Gospels, and we have little leaflets in many different languages. So you can pick your language, because it's an international festival, you've no idea where it's from. But there, there are many different languages there. And there's a little form that you can sign. Uh, you can fill out your details and say you want to know more information. Um, and this person ticked the box, said, I decided tonight to follow Christ. And so I sent that person an email this morning saying, uh, passing them on with other information and where you can go, like Christianity Explored or Alpha or whatever, and you can get more information. And if we can help you at all, then please get in touch. The nature of the festival, of course, is that people come from the other side of the world. So we, we, we don't have immediate opportunity to follow up with people. But what the band do in, this, in these events this week is that they'll do a 40-minute set, and then they'll take a 20-minute break, and all the band members come out and go and chat to people at the tables. And it's completely natural, it's not forced. If people, if, if the conversation naturally goes in the direction uh, of, of faith, then that is exactly where they will take it and they will talk to people about that. And on many occasions during these type of events, we've had those sort of conversations. I think, I think what's so exciting there is, and it goes back to what you were alluding to earlier, that the idea is what do people remember from a moment very little that comes out of the preacher's mouth, but the music will go beyond just that momentary experience. And I think you used the word a moment ago, facilitate, the facilitator. Mm -hmm. And that's a lovely idea, isn't it? The music becoming a facilitator. So even when the music stops, its real work has only just begun mm -hmm. because it's brought people to a different place. And that's so exciting. Yeah, that's right. I mean, most of my time uh, with the ministry is taken up in, uh, as as anyone who's involved in Christian ministry will know is administration. Um, but the, 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 but, but the, part of the, the part of what I enjoy doing is I work principally as a, an orchestral arranger, a choral arranger. So I sit at my computer and I write arrangements of great hymns and of music and put together programs of outreach. Um, and uh, the other job then is as a conductor. So I work as the, as the a music director for the orchestra. Um, and that idea of a facilitator reflects there too. The conductor is the only person on the stage who makes no noise. Um, uh, I, I'm there simply to facilitate the musicianship of all the people sitting in front of me, um, enabling them to be their absolute best at presenting something glorious. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm better to stay quiet 
at least it, the performance. <laughs> Possibly not so much in the rehearsal. And then, and then what you just said there, I very much see your two roles because um, you said you're ministry director as yeah. well because some of the buzzwords going around in ministry at the moment are just those facilitator mm -hmm. and enabler, not so much what you say, but how you listen sometimes and how you impart without necessarily speaking. And I just think that's such a a good way of seeing it because sometimes I think when you look at facilitator enabler it's as if to say it takes any of the onus off you mm. you're just doing it for other people but I think it's actually really hard isn't it being a facilitator and an enabler it mm. requires I would say leadership it requires strategy mm. and it requires coherence as well because if we're not careful words like that just become sort of words out there, a bit airy-fairy that don't have any, you know, punch to them. But from the way you've described it, you know, it's not a matter of sitting back, it's actually throwing yourself into it. Yes, it's it's terrifying. Um, and also, it's it's difficult, and uh, I'm still very much learning. Uh, I'm, I don't imagine that will ever stop. Uh, I, I still don't think I'm very good at it, but, you know, I, I, I just get on with it. I mean, I, uh, last last year we did an event in Cape Town. Not last year. I say last year, but we, the last two years don't count. So the year before the last two years, um, we did an event, a symphonic praise, in Cape Town City Hall, which is, again, a venue, a secular venue that we use a lot. Um, and uh, we used the Cape Town Philharmonic Orchestra. We hired them, and we, we hired uh, so four amazing African singers called the Guguletu Tenors. And uh, they often... We used to do... Our Cape Town Gospel Choir used to sing carols at the waterfront, the Victorian Alfred waterfront in Cape Town um, every year. And always, without fail, every year, the next act that was on after us was the Google Edge of Tenors. And I always thought it'd be nice to do something with them, you know. So I called them up one day and I went to rehearse in their, in their um, house in Google Edge with them. And they said, I said, how do I get there? And they said, no, 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 no. We'll meet you at the police station and we'll take you. <laughs> so, um, but I think, you, you, you know, because we draw it to a close, you were yeah. very much saying we're still all learning. And yes. I think that's a really good place for us to be at the moment. So over to Albert. Yeah, it's been really wonderful having this conversation with you, Colin, and hearing about the whole vision of, of Origin, but how music can become the catalyst, the vehicle through which we hope the church can be renewed and faith can be imparted to those who are listening. So thank you so much for being with us today. No, you're most welcome. And if any um, listeners want to come along and experience the Metro Big Band, Camp Kirkland himself is directing. It's And he is he's just phenomenal. He's really good. He's got a great interaction with the audience as well. And they have two amazing singers from, from the United States. And they're on at 3 o'clock Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and 8 p.m., also Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, at Corrobus Christian Centre, which is directly opposite the Museum of Museum of Childhood on the Royal Mile. So that's all this week? All this week, yes. For the Well, uh, up until Friday night, yes. So uh, twice a day. Um, the afternoon events will just be very <laughs> short, you know, 40 minutes. The little teaser, if you like. The evenings, it's it's two hours, um, but people come and go. I mean, it's, it's not like a concert where you have to sit and listen. You can drop in, and if you find you don't like it, well, that's fine. Grab some cake from the cafe and leave. Sounds, um, the, like, sounds uh, like a church service. Yes, the admission, yeah. the, the admission is free. There's no charge to get in. We've got a little bucket at the door that says pay what you think it's worth, but, you know, you don't, you don't have to. Um, but uh, there is a cafe, so we serve tea, coffee, there's cake and biscuits and chocolates and whatever. And those, though, you have to pay for. 
Well, I'm sure those who've been listening to this podcast as it goes out, uh, you'll be making your way to Crubbers Close to to be part of the Metro Sound this week. So thank you all for watching and being part of our time together. Huge thank you to you, Colin, for joining us and being with us, and also to my host, uh, fellow host, uh, Pete, for being with us in this particular podcast. But more than that, we want to thank you for listening in and being part of our time together um, today. So thank you for being part of it. And uh, as we've been doing in these podcasts, we've just been taking a moment to connect with you, the listener, and thank you for being part of what we do. And I'd like to share a blessing with you. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace today and always. Amen. Amen. Amen.